The Eagles are Super Bowl champions at long last. Brandon Fisher here along with John Fall from USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, you're listening to Eagles Trash Talk, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles podcast on an amazing night. Um, we are hopping on really quick to um, you know, just give some, uh, some quick thoughts on um, what we just witnessed. Um, John. Dude, at long last. Victory! 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 Oh, my God. Not to be confused with Shane Victory, no. (laughs) Who also is a champion. That game, that game, you know, I've watched watched every Super Bowl going back to 1991. And just objectively, that Super Bowl was in the top three, at least in the top three. That was that was just an incredible game from start to finish. It was it was just nonstop drama. Um and not, not like bad drama, not like, you know, um controversial type drama. It was just pure football. Um Well we did have we did have a little bit a little bit of controversy, I think. Well, yeah, I mean we'll we'll get but I mean like overall, you know, that nothing nothing that'll you know, kinda take away from you know, the outcome. There's there, the outcome isn't no. up for debate. It's, um, you know, absolutely. It's, it's set in stone. I mean, I can already hear the crying coming out of new England about, uh, a couple of plays that we'll get to, but I think those calls were correctly made. There's no disputing it. The Eagles are super bowl champions. Yeah. Super bowl champions, uh, 41 to 33 was the final score in Minneapolis, against Tom Brady, Bill, Bill Belichick, and the juggernaut that is the New England Patriots. Nick Foles, um, just as we predicted to start the season, is your uh, NFL Super Bowl 52 MVP. Um, God, what what a game that guy played. Let's start let's start with him. Um, he I, it was it's interesting. I, I've got the um, you know, the coverage on for I've been flipping through ESPN and NFL Network, just trying to see as, as much as I possibly can. And, and he was on, I believe it was ESPN. And, you know, they, they asked him about his performance and he mentioned that, you know, he he didn't have to he didn't have to worry. He was confident because he didn't have to go out there and be Superman. He didn't have to. <laughs> but, but he did. He, he went out there and he was Superman today. Um an unbelievable superhuman performance by Nick Foles, who um, threw three touchdowns, uh, one interception that wasn't his fault, and a um, and a touchdown reception to boot. John, what what do you have to say about Nick Foles? Well, in in the NFC Championship game, Foles played flawlessly. I don't think he made a single mistake. We talked about it in our lab in our last probably two podcasts about how well he played. And, and I, I had some trepidation, I guess, about whether he could keep sustain that up. It. Right. Sustain it. But he, he, he came close tonight. He was 28 of 43, uh, a few drops in there. Also a couple of throwaways that were, you know, good decisions by him. Mm-hmm. He threw for three touchdown, 373 yards, he um, he threw with confidence. 
He hit a lot of tight windows. He, you know, the Eagles really didn't dedicate themselves to running tonight, which which did surprise me. And I'm sure a lot of people who thought that they would really go after the Patriots on the ground, mm-hmm. they didn't. They, they For the most part, they didn't. They put the ball in Foles' hands and said, make the throws. And, and, and I don't, I don't think most, that... I don't think that they necessarily had to um, take advantage of the the Patriots' run defense because the the offensive line um, in pass protection held up extraordinarily well. Um, he had so much time to throw, and it it was outstanding. Yeah, he didn't get sacked, uh, and I don't know if he even really. I mean, maybe once or twice I can remember where the pocket got collapsed and, and he had to get outside there was one play in particular where he probably could have run maybe maybe could have run mm-hmm. for a first down uh, i'm trying to think back when that was in the game that i think that was the first half but anyway he had protection that was pretty equal to, to what brady got tonight mm-hmm. and you know protection is, is great but you still have to put the ball where it needs to be. And some of the throws he made tonight were just right on par with what he was doing against the Vikings Mm -hmm. and what he did in 2013 when he had such an incredible season with 27 touchdowns and and two interceptions. Uh, You know, Nick Foles is Super Bowl MVP. I think we we could have imagined that back in that 2013 season. Mm -hmm. And now we're here. And it's just an incredible road to go from from back then to now. Uh-huh. Nobody saw it coming, uh, but no. but I th- I think maybe you know maybe not even him. They asked him after the game about his his near retirement, and I don't know if I'd heard him put it this way before. But he said they asked him what his likelihood was in his own mind of retiring back when the uh, the Rams cut him, and. He said it was 100%. <laughs> so somehow he went from being 100% sure of retirement to still being in the NFL, and now here he is at the top of the game. Yeah, it's it's such a remarkable story. Um, it's – God, it's – there's so many uh, – yeah, so many things that you can say. Um, but but truly, you, you, you can't – you know, you can't draw it up any better than that. Um you know these, these things kind of it's it's one of those things where the, the truth is is stranger than fiction you just you you can't can't write a story like that it's just it's got to come from real life and that that's such a a wonderful story it's it's a wonderful way you know to end what was a remarkable season for the eagles in general um but when you think about his story there's so many guys in that locker room who and all the adversity that that they faced um all the um you look at uh, Nelson Aguilar and the struggles that he's had um, since he's entered the league. Um, you look at a guy like Brandon Brooks who um, battled anxiety that that was so debilitating that it, it kept him out of games last year. Um, there, there's just so many examples. Howie Roseman, if you go in, into you know the management side of things, um, you know this was a guy who was you know you know lost his job in a coup to a nut job um <laughs> a couple of years ago name chip and, kelly yeah 
and and God and 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 when <laughs> when he got rehired or I shouldn't say rehired but re um, appointed uh, to the general management uh, general manager position by by Jeff Lurie, you know we we were all th- everybody in in the city. There's not a single person who was like, you know what, that's the right call. Everybody except for Jeff Lurie was was saying, what the hell is this guy thinking? Like. And and here he okay. is, and and you look at the 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 moves that he's that he's made, not not only this year but but last year, um, to get us in that position. It's it's extraordinary. Yeah, I don't think that you could write this story and sell it to Hollywood. I, I think that I know that you would be laughed at. This would be too far fetched. Mm-hmm. The Eagles were a seven and nine team last season expectations were not high coming into this year um you know i think the best that most people 99 percent of fans were hoping for let's say a 10 and 6 season and a playoff berth and for carson wentz to get some some more seasoning and here we are yeah they just won the freaking super bowl <laughs> and they beat the patriots to do it this wasn't a cheapo win like may have happened you know, if the Jaguars had held on last week, I think the Eagles would have crushed them, and we would have certainly would have enjoyed it, but it would have been kind of cheap, I think. Right. We went we went up against the best. They gave everything they had. Mm-hmm. There were, I mean, there there were points in the second half of this game. I don't even remember how many times I texted you, but. I, I was having severe doubts about their, their chances to win because they couldn't seem to get a stop. They gave up three straight touchdown drives to start the second half, mm-hmm. and and we're, they weren't really making any plays whatsoever. It was, they still pulled it out. It, it was a microcosm of the year. They, they still got it done. It was so hard to stay positive, um, especially in that second half. Um, it, it was really, really difficult. Um, you just you just look at history and you just look at the way you know the Patriots really had the Eagles right where they wanted them even going into the half um, down ten um, they they knew the Patriots had didn't punt the entire game the the entire game the Patriots did not punt um, yeah and how amazing is that <laughs> that's that's extraordinary and um, you know so you, you go into the half the Patriots knew they were getting the ball back um, only down ten which. In in most cases, against most teams, if you go into the half, you know, up ten, even if they're getting the ball back, you know, you, you feel pretty confident. You you got to feel good about yourself. You cannot feel good about yourself going up against the Patriots, um, up by any score at the half, as we saw last year in the Super Bowl. Um, the Patriots had the Eagles right where they wanted them, um, and continued to assert their will um, on offense anyway. Um, you know, fortunately for the Eagles. Um, the Eagles pretty much were able to, to drive the ball as much as possible. Um, they did stall at one point and have to settle for a field goal, and that was really where things got dicey for sure because then you, you just think that this is it's all setting up for Tom Brady to go out and do his thing, which he absolutely went down <laughs> and did. Um and it was it was just amazing. Now, I I have had this mentality all season long. Going into this year, um, I made a conscious effort to focus on the positives. Um, 
I, you know, like you said, you know, my, my expectation for the season was 10 and six. I wanted to see them make the playoffs and I, I wanted to see them win um, at least one playoff game, whether it was a wild card, whether it was the divisional round. Um, if they would have done that early on in the, you know, the beginning of the season, in the off season anyway, um, you know, if you would have told me that's what they were going to do, I would have been happy with that. I would have accepted that. Um, but I, I made it a point to, to be positive. And, and during this game, um, you know, you, you just see the way that it's setting up and, and you listen to you know, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth who were, we'll get into that, but you get, <laughs> it, it honestly sounded like they had money on, on the Patriots. Um, I, I thought there, there, there was a bookie running around Minneapolis looking for Chris Collinsworth after that game, because he, 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 he had so much, um, you know, at, at stake, it, it, it sounded like, but anyway, anyway, um, I thought to myself and I, and I told you, the Eagles got the ball back with nine minutes, uh, nine minutes and some change down uh, one point, right? And I told you the Eagles need to do what, what they've done before, and they need to control the clock. They need to run every second off that clock, get down. All they need is a field goal, kick a field goal with the, you know, with minimal time remaining and don't put Tom Brady back on the field. And I just, at that point, I didn't have any confidence in the defense being able to stop Tom Brady on a final drive. Yet somehow, the the Eagles, you go down there and they score with way too much time left on the clock. And that's when, you know, the, the mood, you know, as, as jubilant as we were with that touchdown, you know, it was in the back of all of our minds. There's too much time on the clock. The, Tom Brady's going to get the ball. He's not going to leave any time, and they they're going to score. That's what they they've done all game. That's what you know, they they're known to do. But I sat there and I took a minute and I said to myself, I'm not going to doubt this defense because they they have been in this position so many times this year and. It's at the moments when all hope is lost that somebody on this team, one of the 46 or so players that, that are active, makes a miraculous play. And Brandon Graham comes along the, the edge, knocks the ball out. And Derek Barnett, our first-round draft pick this year, our rookie defensive end, picks that ball up. And that's when I knew, no matter what happened at, at, after that point, the Eagles were winning that game. Oh, yeah. You, you thought of that early? I, I honestly did not. Until the clock read zeros, I was not celebrating anything. I was not. You, you know, Tom Brady has, has overcome so many fourth quarter deficits that. Even even the forty-one to thirty-three lead didn't feel safe. But I, I agree with you that the defense turned it up. It struggled most of the night. It, it played. I mean, it, it played a bad game. There's oh, there's no there's no denying that the defense, especially the front four, struggled night. And when the Patriots got the ball back after 
after Zach Ertz uh, caught the the very controversial, I suppose, touchdown pass, the first play was a completion to Rob Gronkowski for eight yards. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Gronk in the second half put up, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he he was a force. And the the Eagles were not able to do much against him. Mm -hmm. So it's a second and two. And that is when everything changed for the defense. It, it kind of reminded me of the Rams game, where Chris Long comes out of the, comes off the edge, gets a strip sack at at the time when the when the Eagles absolutely needed it to win that game. Mm-hmm. And here they needed somebody to come up big and get to Brady. They really hadn't touched him in the second half. I don't. I, I'm I'm thinking they didn't even get a hand on him up until that play when when Graham surges through with his arm, mm-hmm. knocks the ball out. And wow, that I mean that that play was everything for this game because going into that drive, I'm telling you, the, my optimism was was really waning. Oh, they, for sure. The three the, the three straight touchdown drives it looked a lot like last year's Super Bowl in the second half when the Patriots just went up and down the field mm-hmm. at will, at really at will against the Falcons. And um, you know what? The Eagles defense, they had a bad three and a half quarters, even even really more than three and a half quarters. <laughs> but when they needed to make a play, there was Brandon Graham. And, and I don't know if you saw after the game, he did an interview pretty much right after the game with NBC and Michelle Tafoya and that interview was so emotional. I don't know if you could see him crying, but it almost made me cry. That that interview was so tense mm-hmm. and so emotional. Oh man, it was it was it was just special. And um you know the, the a lot of plays I think that this game could have hinged on, but none was bigger than that play. No. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Um, and he, he's another guy, um, that you can, you could put in that category of, of people that are, you know, doubted. Um, you know, he was a, you know, he was a first round bust, you know, at least he had that label for so long, for so long. And it's, it's remarkable that you know the Eagles even kept him around, um, and then when when Chip Kelly came in and he made he made the move to outside linebacker, completely out of position, um, not where his strengths are, and and that's really when he started to come into his own. Um, you know he played very well at that position, and then when they went back to a four three, that's when you know he he really showed that you know he belongs on this team, and he's he's a force, and God, you you just just feel so so good for for guys like him um yeah it's it's amazing um this absolutely this this is just this is a championship team through and through um championship coaching championship ownership and you know most importantly probably is is you know championship uh you know players on on the team i want to revisit something that we talked about in our last podcast the stat that I said would decide this game mm-hmm. and it kind of worried me as the game was going along 
well, let me backtrack. The, the stat is time of possession. Mm-hmm. The Patriots before tonight had lost nine playoff games under Brady and Belichick. And in seven of those games, they had been, they had lost the time of possession battle. And one of them, it was basically almost exactly even mm-hmm. down to the second. So winning the time of possession, I think was go, was going to go a long way game. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that the Eagles won that battle 34 minutes and four seconds to 25, 56 Wow. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't even guess it looking at the stats because they both ran almost the exact same number of plays, mm-hmm. and they neither team really rushed the ball, you know, ran the ball with much dedication. Um, Legarry Blunt had 14 carries for 90 yards. He had a 36 yard carry and the a one yard touchdown. Uh, he had a big night for him, but this was a passing game. Mm-hmm. And to be able to, to win the time possession by four minutes and 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 still you know throw the ball 44 times, which is what they did tonight, 43 by Nick Foles and one by Trey Burton, mm-hmm. that is hard to do. The, some of the numbers of this game are just really hard to pull off and win, and, and the Eagles still did it. Yeah. I You know, I think that, that just kind of speaks to – you know, analytics uh, can only tell you so much, um, but you know, so much of coaching is just feeling the way the game is going and and you know making the right calls at the right time. And um, man, you, hats off to Doug Peterson who got one vote, one vote for Coach of the Year, and um, you know, just a masterful performance by him. A brilliant, brilliant coaching performance against. You know, the greatest coach of all time in in the biggest game of all time. I'll tell you where I think Doug redeemed himself. It, it was a call that I didn't necessarily agree with at the time, but it 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 was one of the probably three I think most important plays of the game. It was uh, the fourth and one with about five forty left. The Eagles were at their own forty five. The Patriots had just scored their third consecutive touchdown mm-hmm. on on three drives. They were up 33 to 32. The Eagles had tried a um, like an out pass, I think it was, to Torrey Smith on third down and one. It, it did not work at all. So here here you have a situation where you can either punt and and possibly pin the Patriots back inside their own ten mm-hmm. with. Five, you know, five and a half minutes left and a, and a chance to force a punt and maybe get a field goal and win the game. Or you go for it. Mm-hmm. And Doug elected to go for it. Not only did he go for it, but he passed the ball, which <laughs> is just an, an incredibly gutsy way to go. Uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's been a gambler all year. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's worked out for him more, more often than not. And, and I have to give my... You know, hats off to to Zach Ertz on that play too for outmuscling uh, Duran Harmon. Mm-hmm. That was a contested catch, a catch that had to be made. Imagine if they handed the Patriots the ball there. Oh yeah. At the at the Eagles 45 with five and a half minutes left, with a one point lead, the Eagles would really be be behind the eight ball. Sure. But that play 
just getting that for getting the fourth down was so so important yeah absolutely and um you know you you're absolutely right he's he's gambled on so many plays this year and um you know but i think the the remarkable thing is he picks the right spots to be um to take those chances now he early on like last year especially you know he's there are times and and there's always you know a time here and there um where he's going to make those calls that you know you you might not agree with and they don't always go your way but for the most part um he's been absolutely brilliant when it comes to those um those those times when when you go for it and when and when you don't um and it, it's it's certainly paid off this year i mean I, I made some notes as the game was going on and um here, but before kind of go- before you get into that, let me ask you this: How, sure. how could you possibly take notes during, during that game? Well, yeah. L- let me mention that my <laughs> wife's family, her parents and and siblings and and grandparents, and one of her uncles was over for the game. So I, I think I'm the only person in the room who was there texting and typing for <laughs> a chunk of the game. I mean, I, I watched every play. Mm-hmm. I, I took a lot of notes during the interminable halftime and you know, there were so many commercial breaks, but yeah, I, I think at the end of the game, she was like, did you even watch it? Because <laughs> you were texting the entire game. Um, it, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things where I want to be able to remember everything. And yeah, it, it's uh, this was a total team victory, and I think that we have to to mention. You know, we talk about we talk about Doug's calls, the the trick play to set up a touchdown catch by Nick Foles of all people on fourth down on the goal line. Bitter uh-huh. did that not remind you? of an Andy Reid play from, from years gone by that would have failed miserably. Oh, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, when, um, I, you know, I said to you, I think I said to you when, um, when the Patriots tried a very similar play earlier in the game, um, and it was a pass to Tom Brady who was wide open. And as, um, you know, Tom Brady's not very fleet of foot, but he had nothing but daylight in front of him. Um, so if, if had he caught that, I I can't imagine what what would have you know, transpired after that. But but he he didn't, and um, I said to multiple people, and I'm I'm pretty sure I said to you, like, yeah, that, that's what he gets for you know, dipping into the Andy Reid playbook, talking about Bill Belichick. But I'm convinced now. Doug Doug Peterson has said um, he's they've obviously asked him about it after the game, and he said that that was a that was a play that they had been working on for weeks and just found the right, right time to use it. Um, Doug's an honest uh, guy when it, when it comes to his press conferences, I think he's full of crap. <laughs> I, I'm convinced. And if, if we, if we're ever lucky enough to have him on the show and we ask him about it, he could show me vid- video evidence of them practicing that play. I'm not going to believe him. I'm convinced he watched Bill Belichick do that earlier in the game and said, I'm stealing that shit and we're going to, we're going to score on it. And that's how I'm going to remember that play. 
And that's what I'm going to tell myself for all of eternity. <laughs> I don't doubt that, that once the Patriots tried it, that it immediately went to the top of his list. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if a certain scenario comes up, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just w- what a call that there, there's really no, there are no words for the amount of cojones, the size of your cojones to call that play there. Oh yeah. Against a defense that is very quick laterally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, was, was pretty disruptive tonight against the run. Um, it was just incredible. I mean, I, I would call it the gutsiest call in 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 Eagles history dating back to the Super Bowl, the, like the start of the Super Bowl era. I I can't think if you could make a, a list of gutsiest calls. I can't think of anything that would be above that. Oh no, absolutely. And and you consider the um, the circumstances, and you can you consider the moment. And you, you you have to you have to go back and, and look at you know who the Eagles are going up against. Um, we've seen so many other teams and, and coaches that have wilted under pressure when when Bill Belichick is staring them down on on the opposite side of the field. Um, but for Doug to not once did he stand down, and you know any any time that he had it. A, an opportunity to, to take a chance you know he took it he was aggressive 100 percent of the time when when he was able to and and it, it certainly paid off and and that's that's that is the formula we, we talked about it before we, we said you can't coach scared against uh against bill belichick um we talked about how uh dan shaughnessy and everybody else in in boston and, and everywhere else expected Doug Peterson against all logic um, to to be more um, you know, conservative and that's never been Doug's game you know for better or for worse and um, you know fortunately against this opponent that's that's the way you have to play him and uh, you know we're hoisting a Lombardi trophy as as a result just for shits and giggles I typed in bostonglobe.com and went to their sports page <laughs> the top headline is from your your boy Dan Shaughnessy and the headline is hard as it is to believe Patriots lost to a better team so somehow in in the span of what like three days Doug Peterson went from being I don't know the worst coach ever to now coaching the best team in, in the NFL, uh, even, even in Dan Shaughnessy's eyes. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Outstanding. So, so Shaughnessy must've been drinking the, um, you know, whatever Mike Lombardi started drinking the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, you, the truth will set you free as they say. And, um, you know, you, you can't deny what, what your eyes are, are, are telling you. And, and that's that, this this man is a, a fantastic coach. Um, there's just no doubt about it. Um, every move that he's made this year has been been the right one. Let's talk about two things that happened on the Patriots side of things. Mm-hmm. 
that were that were enormous in this game. One is the hit from Malcolm Jenkins that knocked Brandon Cooks out. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking he got knocked out on the field, but mm-hmm. certainly out of the game with a with a I presume a concussion. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know got rid of the Patriots' uh, deep threat mm-hmm. for essentially the entire game. And the other thing would be the fact that Malcolm Butler, who came into the game as the as one of the starting cornerbacks, a guy who started 15 games this season. Mm-hmm did not play a single snap on defense and was not happy about it. He said after the game to ESPN's Mike Rice, they gave up on me. <laughs> F it. It is what it is. I don't know what it was. I guess I wasn't playing good or they don't feel comfortable. I don't know, but I could have changed that game. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that we're not going to see Malcolm Butler in a Patriots uniform ever again. I have no idea what to make of that um i that that'll be a mystery i'm sure bill belichick will never explain why um you you might hear rumblings coming from you a disgruntled patriots locker room after that but that's i have i have i absolutely it was a curious choice um the only thing i can think of you know, if if Malcolm Butler is gonna, you say that it had nothing to do. You know, maybe, you know, he did something something disciplinary, um, that maybe went against the the Patriot way. Um, I don't know, but the only other explanation is maybe Bill Belichick in his uh, total arrogance thought that you know, I'm gonna give Eric Rowe an, an opportunity to shine against his former team, which he you know he made a a couple of good plays here and there, but overall he did not. Yeah, I, I think I think Rowe played okay. He was certainly one of the matchups uh, that was being touted as as a guy who the Eagles could exploit tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, now, until the final numbers come out, I, I don't know how much exploiting the Eagles really did of Eric Rowe, mm-hmm. but it was shocking to to see that Butler who you know was the hero of the Super Bowl 3 years ago mm-hmm. was just banished to the bench he he did play a few special teams plays uh but you know it, it, it's it's hard to say why why that would happen he he's an unrestricted free agent in March mm-hmm. so maybe that factors into it i i don't know you're not going to get an answer out of the Kremlin that is right. uh, Foxborough, one Patriots way or whatever, whatever it is up there. You know what I honestly thought was going to happen? Cause they, they kept alluding to it. Um, you know, they kept showing him on the sidelines and they're saying, you know, he, I don't know why they're, they're not playing Malcolm Butler, blah, blah, blah. I thought for sure. I'm like, you know what? They're going to put him in, in the fourth quarter and he's just going to go off. And he's, you know, he's going to you know, get a, a crucial interception, um, at, at a backbreaking time. Not that I, not that I doubted Nick Foles, but I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe they're saving him, um, you know, for, for some time like that, but, but no, he, he never got in. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's a curious decision. 
but on the other on the other side of the ball the eagles secondary I, I i have a lot of mixed feelings about how they played um in general i don't think they had a good night and i think the number the, the numbers are hard to ignore brady threw for 505 yards mm-hmm. and and it's interesting going back to the to the pregame two week hype of this game i remember ray didinger was asked ray didinger of course of of NBC Sports Philadelphia, a legend in his own right. Mm-hmm. He was asked, uh, give me give me two ways that the Patriots could win this game. And one of them surprised me. He said, if Brady throws the ball 50 times in this game, mm-hmm. they could win. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of goes counterintuitive. You think if, if you end up throwing the ball 50 times, that your chances decrease drastically. And I think normally they would. But that's exactly... More or less, he predicted how the Patriots would play this game. Mm-hmm. They they had a lot of short passes. They used Gronkowski, especially in the second half. Mm-hmm. And 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 for much of the game, dinked and dunked their way down the field. He ended up with 48 attempts, so he was only two off of that prediction. Plus, you had Danny Amendola with that one attempt, so it really was 49. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. I think in the, in the first half, the Eagles secondary did make a few plays, but in the second half, no, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they really didn't. There, there were a couple of, um, you know, there, there were a couple of, uh, defensive holding calls that really were backbreakers. And if, if that doesn't happen, then, you know, I think, I think the secondary might, not look as bad um but man that that one um er, early on against Jalen Mills that extended a, a Patriots drive and um you know they they went down and scored on it I I thought that was a questionable call um yeah oh yeah that that was dubious it was you know I I see why they called it but they they had generally been letting them play for for the entire game, and, and I, I don't want to say that um, Gene Steratore, uh you know, called a bad game because I, I I don't think that he did at all. I thought thought he you called a very good game um, from a referee standpoint, but but that was one that I, I wasn't really crazy about. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the officiating, and, and that's actually a pretty good segue because there were a couple of big calls tonight. Both of them went the Eagles' way. Mm-hmm. Both of them were on touchdowns. Uh, one to to Corey Clement, and the final one to Zach Ertz. The one to Clement was all about whether he got both feet down and had full possession, which the call on the field was a touchdown, and and I think that it was the correct call. And then on the play to Ertz, Ertz catches the ball while he's sort of lunging toward the goal line. It, it, it reminded me a lot of the the play by Jesse James in the Steelers Patriots game late in the season mm-hmm. that ended up being reversed. It was called a touchdown on the field, and after a very long review, it was called an incomplete pass. Mm-hmm. Patriots end up winning the game. Patriots get home field advantage. Blah blah blah. And on this play, they have a very long review again. 
And I'm thinking, here we go. They're, they're going to reverse this because, you know, you take what you think is the right call, go with the opposite. That's been my formula for the NFL on these types <laughs> of plays. Right. And and they got it right. They Not only did they – I mean, I figured they would let it stand, but, but they called it as confirmed. Mm-hmm. So – all in all, I think it was it was a very good night for the officiating. I'm wondering how those plays are going to be portrayed in the media, certainly in the national media. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I, I think the calls were right. And I also know for a fact, and it's been reported, that those plays, or certainly the Earth's play might be called differently next year because they're going to take yet another look at the catch rule and try to make some sense out of it. Well, I think so. So I'm, I'm looking at it this way. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to be optimistic, you know, as I have all season long. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. The arts play was, um, somewhat similar to the Jesse James, um, play. I thought it was a little bit clear that Ertz, Ertz wasn't really going to the ground when he caught the ball. He caught the ball, took two steps, maybe almost a third, and that's when you know he dove forward. Um, I thought it was it was extremely clear that he was a runner because he he, it, he didn't catch the ball at the goal line. He was where whereas Jesse James caught the ball pretty much at the goal line and then lunged, lunged forward. Zach Ertz was about. You know, maybe the four yard line, maybe the three at the at the most, um, and had to take two steps and then then lunged forward. Um, so I thought it was it was it was very clear that that Ertz had established himself as a runner. Uh, he crossed the plane, uh, which at that point it's a it's a touchdown, and then it, it doesn't matter once the ball hits the hits the ground what happens at that point. Um, but I'm I'm wondering. Um, if when the NFL takes a look at at those types of plays, if they change the rules so that the Jesse James um, play would be a touchdown in in the future, because um, it's just if if you're running back in that that position, that's a touchdown. Um, I don't know, and it, and that and that'll just you know later on down the road that'll just bring up its own co- controversies if they do that, but. You know, it, it it looked to me like that that was the officiating crew, you know, making a decision at that point in time that um, number one that that would have that would have been a controversial call that that decided the game, and I really don't think that the that the NFL wanted that at all. Um, so I think you you let the play stand and um, you, you make that decision there that that you know we're gonna we're gonna call it a catch. Um, we're gonna say he established himself as a runner, which he did, and and that's a touchdown. You know what those two plays had in common? On both of them, Chris Collinsworth was wrong, <laughs> and and not only I mean not only was he wrong, but he kept complaining about it after the reviews were finalized, mm-hmm. as if you know he was still right somehow, and like they had the officiating had messed up. And somehow, you know, Chris Collinsworth was was ultimately right. It was just sad, actually. Listen, man, the, the 
the if the I don't want to say the, the officiating the the announcing. Um, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth did an absolute horrible job, and I'm not one to go to that well. Um, you know, you listen to any kind of national uh, broadcaster, and and you know you're you're going to automatically assume that they're they're biased against your team. Um, you know, it's kind of like the Joe Buck phenomenon. Um, but I don't think I th- I think that overall Joe Buck is is um, objective, and I I thought prior to this game that Collinsworth and, and Al Michaels were some of the more objective um, announcing crews, but the broadcasting tonight was, was absolutely atrocious from start to finish. Um, it was like there was, there was only one team on the field um, and they talked all day long about all the great things that the Patriots were doing and the, the Eagles are driving downfield and scoring points left and right. And they're, they're begrudgingly, you giving them any credit whatsoever. It was, it, they were there to see Tom Brady get a sixth ring. Um, and that, that's all they really cared about. Yeah. So here's something that illustrates how perceptions were of Collinsworth tonight. And I guess even of Michael's too. I have two sisters. One of them has followed the Eagles for a long time and is, you know, a fan. Mm-hmm. My other sister, I assume that she never watches Eagles games and doesn't care anything about football. Mm-hmm. She actually texted me during the final moments of the game to complain about Collinsworth and Michaels and asking me why, why, why all, why are all, are you know are all play-by-play and uh, announcing crews so biased and and why aren't they talking about the eagles and why are they so in love with the patriots so if if somebody who doesn't follow the nfl and kind of parachutes in for a game like she did mm-hmm. gets that perception then there's probably something to it i yeah i i i think that i wonder if they're going to get you you got to think they they're, they're going to get talked to about it they 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 should because it it was just absolutely terrible and 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 I made the joke you know early on in, in the in the episode that it it sounded like you know, Collinsworth had money on the game and I'm I'm serious it it really sounded like he had a vested interest in the Patriots winning that game I'm not one for conspiracy theorists but <laughs> you know I imagine it it just sounded when when the Eagles made that strip sack of Tom Brady and that's when it was pretty clear that you know, there, the win probability for the Eagles probably jumped up to you know maybe ninety eight percent. At that point, listening to to Collinsworth, he I think he might have gone silent. I w- I was imagining some Minneapolis loan shark you know, feeding his leg into a wood chipper. It was just <laughs> it w- it was just remarkable. I I've never seen or never heard anything like it and. You know, you always complain about the the broadcasting crews when when things don't go your way or when you know it, it seems like they're biased. But this was there's where there's smoke, there's fire, and they definitely they had a vested interest in the Patriots winning this game. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. I think Collinsworth, especially, I, I respect Al Michaels for good reason. The guy's been one of the top announcers 
going back to the 70s you know he was the guy who did the the 1980 miracle on ice call and mm-hmm. his resume is just you, you it's hard to to criticize mm-hmm. but i know a lot of people who i've talked to over the years of working in sports media are very anti collinsworth and and uh see why and and this game especially he was talking about the Patriots more or less all night and, and arguing that two of the two key calls in the end zone that he was right. And the officiating was wrong. And Mm -hmm. uh, I lost a lot of respect for the guy tonight. I, part of me thinks that they were, you know, trying not to fall into the same trap that Aikman and Buck fell into last year um, when they had all but written off the, the Patriots after the first half. Um, which, you know, is smart because you, you can't count Tom Brady out ever, but everybody knows this. It's, it's not something that even if, you know, you're speaking to an audience that, you know, knowing, you know, you're, when you're calling a Super Bowl, you know, that probably half your audience has probably never tuned into a, a football game or, or doesn't you know, tune into a football game regularly, but you know, you don't, you don't have to anymore make that make that known everybody knows that you can't count tom brady out at at any point in any game so you certainly don't have to actively root for for them (laughs) and that's that's all right let's talk about the final let's talk about the final drive of this game no let's keep talking about the announcers (laughs) (laughs) the eagles are up 41 to 33 Jake Elliott nails the 46-yard field goal, as he's wont There's to a, do. Yeah, I mean it, it was it was money. There was there was no doubt about it. So the Patriots draw up a reverse. At least I assume it was a reverse, a trick play on the kick return, a very high risk, low reward. I think kind of play. They get they get stopped at the nine-yard line. Mm-hmm. So you've got Brady taking over, 58 seconds left. He's got to go 91 yards. Um, then they would have to get the two-point conversion. Really quick, I th- I thought that that play on the that that you know uh, lateral on the on the kickoff. That was was that on the kickoff or was that on the? That was the kickoff. Yeah, I thought that was such a terrible idea on the, on the Patriots' part. It's not something I would have done. Yeah, that, I was saying it, it's a it's a a high risk kind of play where if you if it fails it can you're going to lose you're going you're, you're going to lose major yardage or lose the ball or lose possession you're probably better off just running your normal kick return and, and hoping to get it at the 20 or 25 mm-hmm. um i it, it was it was a great kickoff by Elliot in that he i think he let up a little bit cuz he had been kicking touchbacks most of the night mm-hmm. And this one landed uh, in Deion Lewis's arms at the seven-yard line. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was an accident. No, I don't think so either. So the, the Patriots take over at the nine. You've got three straight incomplete passes. Mm-hmm. They've got fourth and ten from the nine with 42 seconds left. Mm-hmm. I mean, were you celebrating at that point? Because I was getting text messages from people basically saying this game is over even my wife was like, all right, well, this this one's over. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're 42 seconds 
this is the Patriots. And and there you have Brady picking it up with a 13-yard pass. No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't celebrating. I was confident. I wasn't celebrating, though. I I was concerned, to say the least. Um, they were getting pressure, but they were playing with such cushion. They were, I mean, they were giving the wide receivers ten yards, at least. I, I think. And the secondary had had such a bad half, and really, a bad night. So that you know, the Patriots are inching up the field. They get to their own 33 with 20 seconds left, and then they they're at the that their 49 after a 16-yard pass to Gronk, where I, I thought he had no business getting out of bounds, mm-hmm. but Mills, I, you know, in the in in, in the, the urgency of the moment, I think just kind of didn't yeah. didn't make the right kind of move to tackle him, right. so he got out of bounds. And we have the Patriots at midfield with two chances. Mm-hmm. So what's going through your head at that point? So what was going through my head is um, that's when concerns started to not necessarily take over, but, but definitely creep up. I thought at that time um, I was, I was very, you know, uh, I was impressed actually by um the the drive that the patriots were um were were performing because you know you, you see most most teams in 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 that situation will you know try to run some you know you might see one of those um you know ones where they they lateral it a, a million times um but the patriots methodically kind of drove down to midfield um, and put themselves in a position where a hail mary isn't unthinkable, um, and that's really what it, it impressed me more than anything else. I was, you know, wasn't thinking, wow, well, this, is, this is a really good job by the Patriots at the time, but it was it was one of those those things where I was like, oh crap, you know, this this thing is is not over yet. Now, if 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 the if the Eagles weren't up by eight points at that if that at that point in time, if they were only up by seven. I think I would have been a lot more concerned, um, but I thought that the task, you know, ahead of the Patriots was was daunting enough that, um, you know, I I had enough confidence in the Eagles that I thought they were going to get it done. But I was definitely concerned. Well, to me, in that situation, seven points and eight points were basically the same thing, because having seen the Patriots on two point conversions. Over the years, and and even in last year's Super Bowl, they have God knows how many plays for that scenario. And you know, I don't have their success rate in front of me, but it seems like they almost always convert them, especially in high pressure situations. Yeah. So anyway, the 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 first and ten situation there at the forty nine, the first throw I thought was a horrible throw. Ronald Darby steps in front of it. And the ball bounces off his <laughs> off his abdomen. Uh-huh. Looked to me like he had, he had time to get his feet down and get the interception. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh no! Like that should have been the end of the game right there. That that should have been it. Mm-hmm. But no, we've got one last play. One last play. The Eagles are only rushing three, which is definitely the right thing to do there. Just drop everybody back into coverage and right. put like. 
four guys on the goal line. But there was a moment when that ball bounced off of whoever it bounced off of, and I think it bounced off of about three or four guys, Mm -hmm. where I had probably several mini heart attacks (laughs) because Gronkowski was in the area. I don't know if the ball hit him. I don't think it did, but it came damn close. Yeah. And wow, you know, that, that was a scary, scary ending. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Did you hear Merrill Reese's call on that? I've I've only heard one Merrill call, and that was of the the strip sack. The uh, they they played it on on WIP. I was listening to it. I, I was over at my cousin's house, uh, so I had about a twenty minute drive home uh, after the game, and they they replayed um, that that one call on that that you know last you know hail mary by by Tom Brady, and it is. It's, he's so good. It's it's outstanding. Um, it's w- worth a listen to. Oh yeah, I'm sure that I'll be listening to every clip that is posted of Merrill from this game. Um, one thing. The, I, uh, the, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say one thing. Are are you are you are you done talking about the the final drive? Or were you gonna move on to something else, or did you have one last thought about that? I'm pretty sure that uh, that that was the end of the drive, man. Yeah. There's there's nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wasn't sure if you had any like last final thoughts on that, but I wanted I wanted to point something out. The you, a a big mo- actually two big moments. Uh, Goskowski missed an extra point and a gimme field goal from about 26 yards out, I believe it was 20, 23, 26, something like that. The extra point miss was on him, but the, the field goal was a total gaffe by the holder. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, so I saw something um, earlier. It, it might have been you know two weeks ago. It might not have even been you know, this past week. Um, but I saw it on Twitter. Somebody, somebody mentioned that the, the Patriots holder um, – is not very or not their long snapper is not very good um and uh that it was i i wish i i knew what the actual you know tweet was but it was something that when i saw it at the time you know i made a mental note and i was like you know i'm going to mention this during the podcast i'm going to you know, talk about it and completely completely forgot about it um and that on that uh missed field goal that's where it you know, it hit me. I was like, "Shit!" It, it actually came up. Now, it wasn't on the long snapper; it didn't appear. But it, it, it was a um, miscommunication between the long snapper and the and the holder, um, and that ended up being a a really big, uh, big moment. Yeah, those two plays were the the kind of uh, mistakes that you don't expect to see from the Patriots, especially in Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. And that that was my worry when the Eagles when when Jake Elliott missed the extra point on I think it was the first touchdown mm-hmm. uh, of the night. I thought, you know, maybe, or maybe it was the second touchdown. But anyway, mm-hmm. you you can't leave points on the field, and then that created a situation where Doug, of course, was going to go for two, which he did mm-hmm. very very soon. They didn't get it, so then they were really down two points. Right. Um. I do know that. Well, the 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 Patriots' long snapper is Joe Cardona, mm-hmm. 
who is a Navy guy. He went to Navy. So therefore, in Bill Belichick's book, he's a good guy. Belichick also a Navy guy. And, you know, I haven't heard anything about him being a weak point. Mm -hmm. But it's very surprising that Belichick would allow that to happen because if there's any coach, any head coach in the NFL who is a special teams maniac, it's Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick. Yeah, for sure. He loves special teams probably as much as he loves anything else in the world. And that's part of the reason why the Patriots are consistently so good is their special teams are almost always among the best in the whole league. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm running down my my observations from the game. And one other stat that was so big going into it, I've got to credit uh, uh, Ray Dittinger on this one also. I'm trying to find it. I know I had it here. Um, going back into the entire Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era, starting in 2000, when the – and you, you might have heard this stat because it was talked about a little bit on WIP. When the Patriots end up on the plus side in the, in the turnover uh, comparison during a game, they were 159 and 15. <laughs> and – you know, going into the late stages of this, of this game, they were on the plus side. The Eagles had turned the ball over on a bad bounce, mm-hmm. an, inter- an interception at the goal line of all places. The Patriots hadn't turned the ball over. And, you know, to overcome that 159-15 and 15, um, mountain that they, that they would have to, to climb to win, those are, as as Dinger said the other day, those odds are incredibly long. So it just illustrates again how big that that strip sack was by Brandon Graham because it evened it up, mm-hmm. and it ended up you know nullifying that stat. And and you could say that stats are just stats, but over the course of time, they they say a lot about games. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in a way, I guess I kind of wish that the Eagles had still turn the ball over maybe twice and still won the game. So you could kind of <laughs> give the middle finger to that stat. But that was, that was one of the best ones that I heard all week out of, out of uh, certainly one of the best writers out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me see. Any, any, any other uh, observations you have? Anything else you want to uh, talk about? Um. Wow, we we have covered a lot of ground here. I'm I'm trying to find. I, I had it. See, I, I was going back to uh, to try to get some context. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. I, I I know that you probably haven't been crazy about talking about the uh, the 2004 Super Bowl team that lost to the Patriots. Which mm-hmm. now we can finally put those guys away and, and never have to, to deal with that ghost again. Mm-hmm. But I went back and I looked at the the coverage from that game. And this is actually from the day of the game. From from my favorite writer, I guess he's still still my favorite writer. It's unfortunate because he's been dealing with health issues. Bill Lyon, mm-hmm. a long long time writer for the for the Enquirer who is suffering from dementia 
Mm-hmm. But when, when he was in his prime, nobody was better than him. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the guys who really made me want to want to get into sports. So the day of this Super Bowl, Super Bowl 39, oh yeah, Super Bowl 39 against the Patriots, he wrote a preview that was just incredible. As you know, you know his, his, his stuff was always great. Mm-hmm. But he said, um, the game hasn't even been played, and yet you cannot help but look ahead. With their continuing shrewd cap management and generally prescient personnel decisions, the Eagles have been able to stitch together a five-year run of double-digit win totals, and they have done this in an era when the rules and circumstances reward the lowliest and make it difficult to stay on top. There is every reason to think the Birds can win a dozen or so next year and be back here, well, not here, here in Detroit, site of Super Bowl XL. And I was like, wow, you know, that's that's just crazy to look back at that and think about, you know, how how our perceptions were at that time. Mm-hmm. The Eagles came out that day and lost. You know, they 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 just certainly had, had an off game and everything fell apart. And uh I don't have any any fear whatsoever of that of anything like that happening to this team well first of all obviously they won the game they won the super bowl Mm -hmm. but every everything that happened after that 2004 2005 appearance that sent everything into the shitter there's just nothing on this team that i mean obviously you never say never but there's there's so much to this team. They won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback and playing a game tonight that was far from their best. They've got they're bringing back uh what is it like 20, 20 out of their 22 starters mm-hmm. on offense and defense are guys that are under contract for next year. Mm-hmm. You've got Wentz coming back. I, who knows whether he'll be back for week 1, but until I'm told otherwise, I'm assuming he will be. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't want to look ahead too much at this point, but right, there's such a bright future for this team. Absolutely, absolutely, and and we can, we've got plenty of time to to delve into you know what what are they going to do with Nick Foles? What are they going to do uh, with Legarrette Blunt? With uh, Jason Peters? There's a lot of guys that you know we're we'll be able to. to dig into and, and figure out what their futures hold. But for right now, um, you know, we have a lot to celebrate. We've got a lot to be happy about. Um, it was, it was an amazing run. Um, no decisions have to be made tonight. Thank God. But, um, but God, I mean, it, it, it's just an amazing night. This, this entire season has had this, you know, positive aura around it. And it's just, it's felt, you know, magical since, since day one. Um, certainly, you know, there were, you know, moments where you, you didn't really know, especially, especially early on, you know, that, that game against Washington, you know, you, you and I were, were there at, at FedEx field and, um, I didn't, I didn't feel anything special that day. Um, you know, Ronald Darby, when Ronald Darby got hurt, you know, that was, you know, that, that was probably, you know, probably the worst thing that we could have imagined at that point. 
Um, and then, it, and then uh, you know, when Fletcher Cox, uh, you know, we, we talk about a strip sack at the you know, best possible moment tonight. Um, how about that first game, man? I mean, the Redskins were driving um, and threatening to score, and, and uh, you know, Fletch got that, that strip sack of Cousins. Um, that, that ended up sealing the game for them uh, in Washington. So um, just there's just so many moments that, you know, we'll be able to look back on fondly and, and just kind of talk about, um, you know, as the as the offseason goes on, um, you know, while we gear up for, for next season. But, you know, I just want to say, you know, my my last last thought, um, you know, this this team has been, I think the – the word there's there's a lot of words that you know if you had one word to 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 use um certainly resilience is one that you know comes to my mind but i think i think the team itself would would say the word uh to describe this team is uh is family and that's kind of important uh to me because this this team was a family and you don't see that often um you see it hardly ever, even with championship teams. They're not normally as as close as this team was. And for the city of Philadelphia, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people that you know, didn't make it to this point. Um, you know, certainly I've got family members that didn't didn't live long enough to to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure you did too. Every, everybody does. Everybody knows somebody um, that this win would have been just a touch sweeter um if that that person or those persons had had been there um you know for for this uh for this win but um you know it's it's nice to to get a chance you know i i spent this game watching it with with some family and um and that was i i wouldn't have wanted it any other way and um you know, I think that's that's the thing that you know all of us, um, all of us Eagles fans are gonna carry it with us because as much as you know they want to talk about, and I mean you know the collective they out, outside of Philadelphia wants to talk about uh, Philadelphia fans and you know whatever negative you know, connotation they want to put along that, but Philadelphia fans collectively are their own family, and um, you know to everyone at the at the Trash Talk family, all of our listeners, um, all Philadelphia fans in general, I just want to say, you know, I hope you guys enjoy this victory. Um, stay safe, you know, over, over the next uh, you know, couple days as we gear up for this parade. Um, John, you and I have been friends for about 20 years now, um, if my if my math is correct. And, um, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, breaking down the games with you. You know, we, we've we've done this um every year for the past 20 years but this is the first time that we've we've shared you know our conversations with with the world and um it's been an absolute pleasure um this this season has been so remarkable and, and so much fun and um you know I'm, I'm so thankful that you know we were able to to get the job done at the end and um yeah so that's uh that that's what I'm going to take, you know, from from this victory as I, you know, process it because I don't think I've fully processed it just yet. I'm I'm glad you mentioned family because it's it's it is an important part of football and especially for 
for me i mean for i think for a lot of people who get into the game they get into it because somebody in their family helped them along or, or was already a fan you know i think it's it's something you pick up from your parents in a lot of cases and and for me it was my parents and and um, uh, my mom's father who we called pop up mm-hmm. he died in may of 1998 mm-hmm. and he was somebody i watched games with all the time i mean i i spent it feels like i spent as much time at his house as i did at my own house growing up mm-hmm. and I get a lot of my cynicism, I think, from him. I, 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 looking back, I really wonder if he ever thought the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> he, he was lucky. I mean, he was he was born in 1919, so he lived through the 48 championship, the 49 championship, and the 60 team. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of my, one of my regrets as I've gotten older as a fan is that I never asked him about those teams. Mm-hmm. You know, as a kid, I'm not even sure that I knew that the Eagles won won those three championships because everything was all about the Super Bowl. Right. But I do wish I wish that he had been able to be here and see this game. I think he would even even he a hardened cynic, somebody who who uh i mean it was it was it, it was a challenge to watch games with him sometimes because i think he would give up on them mm-hmm. um i think he even he would have loved to have seen what this team did to to come from a 7 and 9 record and to have so many injuries and then Nick Foles just become the perfect version of himself um, but I, I've gotten texts tonight from, from I, I mentioned my sister, mm-hmm. my mom. Um, it'll be interesting when I get the chance to talk to my dad. My dad doesn't do social media; doesn't even really use his cell phone. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that he'll be very stoic about it, and and uh, it, it will be interesting because I'm actually we're going up to see them in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. for a delayed Christmas. So I, I have a feeling that that's pretty much all we'll be talking about is uh, mm-hmm. is how the Eagles finally did it. And, and uh, you know, so to go back to family, it, it really is all about them. And, you know, without without your family, would you even be a fan? I, I doubt that I would be. Yeah, I um. so so my grandfather was um, he grew up in, in western Pennsylvania Um you know, little in, in in close proximity to Pittsburgh. Um, so he he moved when my when my dad was a baby um, or a, a toddler anyway. Um, they moved to South Jersey because my you know my grandfather took a job in um, the booming metropolitan of uh, Salem, New Jersey. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so when when they moved. You know, he he could have he could have stayed a Steeler. I don't know if he was a Steelers fan before, but certainly his entire family they were they were all Steelers fans. So, you know that I think he could have you know been a Steelers fan. He could have raised you know his kids to be Steelers fans, and you know that that could have been our team because we we did have roots out there, um, and the the six Super Bowls could have been. You know, something that you know my family celebrated. Um, he didn't though. He when when he moved to South Jersey, 
Um, I don't know at what point, you know, they started paying attention to football, if they did it immediately or, or whatnot, but um, it was important to him and it was important to, you know, my my dad and his siblings that, you know, you, you root for the home team. Um, so that's how we became Eagles fans. So I was, I was raised an Eagles fan from, from my parents and, you know, it was one of those things. So it's, you know, a long road and you, you think about, you know, I mean, there were so many times, you know, where you, you, you see the success that, you know, the Steelers have, for example, and, you know, the thought across my mind, like, man, you know, if only, you know, he would have been a, if he would have remained a Steelers fan, um, I think it would have been justified, but, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, we would have appreciated it, you know, the way that, that we are appreciating this one. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful every day, um, that I'm fortunate enough to be an Eagles fan. And I don't, I don't give a damn what anybody else has to say about us. I think we are the best fans in the world. Yeah, man. I think that, um, we have, I would say the best owner in the NFL and that, that's, that's a luxury too, that we, we have to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you got a chance to see the the post game celebration, the whole thing. But when Jeff Lurie got up there with Dan Patrick and was so gracious and talked about his own family, his, his parents, he named as one of the the first uh, um, people that he gave thanks to, and and talked about Eagles fans all over the world. Um, that was that was just symbolic of the kind of owner he is. Uh, it, it was all heartfelt. You, you never got the feeling like it was a pre-planned speech that he was just kind of delivering. It was it was really from the heart, and um, and we we can't take for granted that that we have the best owner because for a long, long, long time the Eagles had a horrible ownership situation. Mm-hmm. You know, with Leonard Tose, who was a, just a, a gambling addict, who almost moved the team to Arizona, and 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 had so much debt that he eventually had to sell to Norman Brayman, a guy who was a card dealer extraordinaire. Uh, Buddy Ryan hated that guy. <laughs> he spent more time on the French Riviera than he spent being the Eagles' owner. And it was just a, a disastrous kind of situation that you, you really don't want be antagonism like that between, and you, and you wouldn't you would not see it today between the head coach and the owner. Oh, sorry. Um, you know, even even going back to like the the sixties, uh, the Eagles' ownership situation was always shaky. But since nineteen ninety four, since Larry bought the team, they have. You know, he he talked a long time ago about the Eagles becoming the gold standard, and he got ridiculed for it mm-hmm. because they hadn't won a Super Bowl. But here they are; they are the gold standard finally. Yeah, and it's you know I I feel great for him because um, the way that the Eagles won, you know, every, everybody knows the the story um, about Jeff Lurie. He was he's a Boston guy. Um, he bid on the Patriots. Um, it got outbid by by Robert Kraft, and then um, 
you know, so then he he bought the Eagles. The Eagles were kind of like a, you know, I don't want to say a consolation prize, but you know, in a way they were. <laughs> um, so so beating beating the Patriots has always been a you know, some something that you know he may not you know, come out and say it, but you know he he wanted it so bad, and um, to see the Eagles take down you know, the evil empire. That is the Patriots. I know that's got to be. It's just got. It's got to be the cherry on top for him. Um, you know, I. I you referenced it before. You know, if the if the Jaguars had squeaked out against the the Patriots and you know, it was Eagles Jaguars, we probably would have would have whipped them. It may not have been as as memorable as this, but it it would have felt just as good. But truthfully, um this is so much better. And I, I think Jeffrey Lurie uh, recognized that as well. So I'm, I'm extraordinarily happy for him. Now he's Oscar winner and Super Bowl champion, Jeffrey Lurie. <laughs> yeah, no joke. No joke. He's got an Oscar, right? So it's getting late in the night. Um, I'm one, thinking that we... one, one more thing, one more thing. Really, yeah. Really yeah, quick. Sure. Really quick. Um, not only, did we become Super Bowl champions tonight? But you know, we we failed to mention this, uh, you know, the the other day. Um, and I want I don't want to let it go another another moment. But um, hats off and congratulations to Brian Dawkins and Terrell Owens, two um outstanding Eagles um who have uh been elected to the to the Pro Football Hall of Fame um and will be enshrined in Canton um this summer so congratulations to them um well deserved well deserved especially you know brian dawkins means so much to us uh terrell owens had a you know rocky um time in philadelphia but um you you can't you can't dismiss what what he accomplished with this team um in 2004 um but certainly you know you know brian dawkins is a dude who who without a doubt deserves uh to be in the in the in the Hall of Fame and I'm so happy for those guys. Yeah, I think I think we should definitely dive a little bit more d- deeply next podcast which um you know will be coming up this week. Mm-hmm. I I was uh, suffice it to say that I was surprised that both of those guys got in. I certainly thought that Dawkins would. Mm-hmm. But uh, I d- I did not think that that T.O. would get in, in large part because some of the analysts who are in the know didn't think he would get in. And not to bring up Ray Dinger's name too many times in this podcast, but uh, he was asked uh, Thursday or so about whether he thought T.O. would get in. And he was strongly thinking that it was not going to be this year. Yeah. I mean, he, he was he was he wasn't 100 percent certain, but. It seemed like he was about 75 or 80 percent. So, you know, kudos to the selection committee for getting in Randy Moss on first ballot, mm-hmm. Brian Dawkins after a year wait, mm-hmm. and and for having the you know the 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 kind of circumspection, I guess, to look past some of the publicity mm-hmm. issues and disputes that Tio had over the years. 
Um, you know, there's no character clause for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, you know, he, he, he certainly had his issues with some of the coaches and quarterbacks that he played with and under. But in his prime, he was far and away the best wide receiver. It, it wasn't even close. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, any, any way you slice it, he, he belongs, he belongs there. So, um, you know, and I, I think the time's right. I'm, I'm glad he got in at the same time as Dawkins. Um, and, uh, so I'm going to have to, to make a pilgrimage to Canton here. I've never, never been to the, to the pro football hall of fame. Um, so that's, it's certainly, certainly a trip I will be making very, very soon. Yeah, you've got to go. Uh, Casey and I went a couple of years ago during a snowstorm. Uh, the snowstorm was difficult, but the the Hall of Fame is a place that should be on your sports bucket list. For sure. For sure. It, it definitely is. Um, yeah. All right. So with that, John, I think um, I think we can, we can wrap this up unless you have anything else to say. No, we we have covered a lot of ground, and um, we've got so much more, I think, to to talk about in our regularly scheduled podcast for this week. So uh, I don't know if any of if either of us is going to get a wink of sleep tonight, but um, I know that we've got some celebrating to do. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I gotta go to work in the morning. My boss is a Patriots fan, so I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> to that. But um, yeah. So so this uh, this episode of Trash Talk, um, special edition, Super Bowl winning <laughs> edition, has been produced and edited by Brandon Fisher, um, and hosted by me, Brandon Fisher, and and John Fogg. I'm not gonna do any kind of music. I'm just gonna you know, keep it as is and uh we're gonna get it up to you guys so uh don't forget to subscribe to us on on uh, soundcloud and itunes and look for us on on youtube we'll be premiering all of our uh, past episodes as well so you guys can get caught up on all those and uh we look forward to talking to you guys later on this week john one last time go birds go birds <laughs>